Here's a great little talk by Mr. Shimele, one of our urologists. Hematuria, I have been under-referring for years. Here's what I should have been doing. Um, I would like to say that macroscopic hematuria is exceptionally lethal. I have one personal case, uh, and it's really exceptional. It was a lady um, who had uh, vascular problems and um, had been operated many times for uh, um, benign uh, peritoneal tumors. I don't remember exactly the name, mixoid tumors or something like that. And she had radiation treatment for that and her belly could not be uh, visited anymore. Uh, everything was stuck inside. And... Uh, and she had retroperitoneal fibrosis and a few years ago had the double J inserted to uh, palliate her hydronephrosis because we could, nobody could go back in her belly. And so this double J stent was changed regularly and after one of the change she was readmitted to ED with gross macroscopic hematria with clots. And so everybody uh, tried to figure out what it was, so she had a CT scan. And the right kidney was full of blood. And everybody, including me, made the assumption that she had a tumor in her right kidney. And uh, as she was still bleeding despite transfusions, uh, we did a nephrectomy on a very urgent basis. And when we cut the ureter, uh, we cut it in a region where it looked normal. And beyond that, we could not visit the pelvis of this woman because everything was stopped by the previ previous radiation treatment and, and peritoneal tumor. And uh, we said, well, she's fixed. And uh, two days later, I'm the call from, from the ICU in saying, well, your patient is laying in a, in a blood pool, in a bed, and uh, we don't understand what haps, what's happening, but uh, she's dying. I said, okay. So I said, well, bring her to, to theater. I will try to, to fix this. And they said, no, she's really dying. We, so you cannot do anything, just to inform you. So okay. And after a reflection, I said, oh my God, I know what it is. I, I had heard from that on one, during one case in France, and, and this lady was Quinton King's patient, and I said, Quinton, I am sure your patient had in fact a fistula between a right iliac artery and a right ureter. And that the kidney was just behaving as a security, you know, counter-pressure thing, and the fact that we did an nephrectomy, well, everything went down, and she's dead. And Quinton said, no, I don't think you, you have the right diagnosis. I said, well, you know, she will have a PM. I will do the PM. And so did I. And it was a fistula between the right iliac artery and the right ureter, which was created because um, she had the presence of a double J stent, you know, chronically in an irradiated, irradiated region and probably also very fragile arteries. But I did the PM by myself, I removed on block 
all the tumor and um, and the and the what was remaining of the ureter and all the iliac vessels and was able to demonstrate the fistula. So this is my only one personal case. And two weeks later, we had a call from Mastertop. So because this is how it happens, this is the series low. And we've got this gentleman, he's got an you know, alleal conduit in the right iliac fossa. And um, he has a resonance stent, which is a metallic stent, um, between the right kidney and the conduit, and he's profuse, profusely bleeding. And, and we said, oh, it may be that. So you send him with an helicopter to, to uh, Wellington. You get him an arteriogram to be done on an urgent basis. And the only thing which can save the patient's insertion of a coated stent inside the right iliac artery. And so the diagnosis was the right diagnosis and he was saved. Thank you. <laughs> so this is, this is how a, a macroscopic hematria is, can be little, lethal. So I haven't heard you know, of anything worse than that. So categorization has to be avoided, uh, I mean, Bladder catheterization has to be avoided at all costs unless the patient is in retention. And um, I don't see anything wrong to discharge a patient and send a referral to the urologist and the patient can be, can be seen in the hematuria clinic on an elective basis. So let's go back to, uh, to the purpose of the talk. So uh, you've got two uh, different um, hematuria, so macroscopic visible hematuria, uh, where the, the urine is colored in pink or in red. And um, in some occasion, it may be Coca-Cola. And if you've got Coca-Cola urine looking, you uh, might think on uh, a non-urological cause, which is uh, a renal cause, uh, uh, acute glomerulonephritis, which generally happens in young patients uh, after an episode of upper respiratory tract infection. And uh, hematuria is not uh, always the culprit to color the urine in red, so you can have myoglobinuria, hemoglobinuria, beetroia, I mean eating beetroot, Drug disc discoloration uh, like rifampicin and doxorubicin. And uh, well, that's it for the macroscopic hematuria. And you've got the microscopic, which is non visible hematuria, um, which can be either symptomatic, so associated with lots of front pain, or asymptomatic. Uh, with no symptoms at all, and generally speaking, this is an incidental detection uh, in the absence of other symptoms. So, uh, definition of positivity for blood, so uh, the urine dipstick on a fresh voided urine sample containing no preservative is enough. Normally, to confirm a material, you don't have to request a midstream urine. The dipstick is sensitive and specific enough to make the diagnosis. Um, and um, whilst the sensitivity of urine dipstick may vary, uh, significant hematuria is considered to be 1 plus or greater. So 1 plus is, seems to be quite insignificant, but this is significant. And um, there is no distinction in significance between non-hemolyzed and hemolyzed dipstick. 
and one cross for either should be considered of equal significance. So any single episode of macroscopic hematuria, visible hematuria, or any single episode of symptomatic non-visible hematuria is significant. So which means that this should um, be enough to refer to your to a urologist. So in Palmerston North, they are specifically referred to the hematuria clinic. And the persistent asymptomatic non-visible hematuria in the absence of UTI or other transient causes, um, persistence of two or three dipsticks is also significant to justify a reform. Um, so the transient causes which needs to be excluded are UTI, uh, exercise-induced hematuria and menstruation. Menstruation is very common, so it's not very difficult to, um, to rule out. And the presence of hematuria should not be attributed to anticoagulant or antiplatelet therapy. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's risky to discharge a patient on, who has got hematuria on the grounds that he's taking anticoagulation. We see every day in the hematuria clinic such patients. They are elderly. Uh, they are on anticoagulation because they've got vascular, um, vascular disease. This vascular disease is sometimes related to tobacco smoking, and tobacco smoking can give bladder cancer, so this is a very nice combination. And so subsequently, uh, patients on anticoagulation who have got hematuria should be investigated just like the others. So you have to exclude the UTI. If there is a UTI, you treat it and you check the patient for hematuria in the follow-up and if there is still hematuria, refer to a urologist. Uh, you should do a plasma creatinine and EGFR because chronic renal failure may, may uh, give microscopic hematuria. And um, you can measure protein on a random sample. You can send the urine for a ratio between protein and um, uh, creatinine or albumin and creatinine and blood pressure. So this is especially designed to exclude renal causes. When I mean renal, it's um, um, glomerular causes of microscopic hematuria, which on their own justify a refer not to the urologist because we would be extremely confused to see that, but uh, the renal physician. Oops. So the urological refer all patients with visible hematuria. So hematuria with clots is never over, I mean, when I say renal origin, is never glomerulonephritis. nephritis. Clots means that the hematuria originates from the urinary tract and as such should justify a urological refer. Uh, and patients who are less than 40 years with Coca-Cola colored uh, urine and respiratory tract infection uh, should be suspected to have glomerulonephritis and as a consequence referred to the nephrologist. So all patients with symptomatic non-visible hematuria any age should be referred to the urologist and all patients with a non-visible hematuria age more than 40 years should be referred to the urologist. So what about the nephrological reform? So for patients who have had a radiological cause excluded, who have not met the reform criteria for radiological assessment, if there is concurrent decline in GFR or stage four uh, or five chronic kidney disease, 
significant proteinuria, uh, high blood pressure if the patient is less than 40 years of age, and visible hematuria with intercurrent upper respiratory tract infection. If these criteria are not met, the patient should be followed up by the GP, so in the primary care. Uh, what about this long-term monitoring? So they should be monitored by the G GP um, uh, and be looked uh, uh, for avoiding lots, visible hematuria, significant or increasing proteinuria, which could change the referral to the nephrologist, progressive renal impairment, and hypertension. So it's not, it's not visible here, of course, uh, but this is a decision tree which, which, uh, on which I have done the, the previous slide, so it just resumes what, I've, what I have, what I have uh, said. The flowchart he's describing is on the blog at EM Tutorials under Hematuria. Oh, <clears throat> true life. So I had done this presentation at the end of 2009 uh, after one after uh, a few months not probably not not the whole year but after after a few months uh, after having started the Amateur clinic in in Palmerston North and I had separated the, the case mix into macroscopic, so visible hematuria, and microscopic, uh, we'll see the slide later, which is um, non-visible hematuria. And if you look at the number at the bottom, so 70% of, so more than two-thirds of this hematuria are explained, which means that one-third are unexplained. So you may think this is a, it's very dis disappointing, but when you look at the li literature, in fact, only 50% of the hematuria are explained. So this is quite a good number. And uh, you can see that Ten macroscopic hematuria are explained with by BPH, so big prostate. We had seven stones and five TCC. So it's not the TCC is not the first cause of macroscopic hematuria, but this should be a reflex. Macroscopic hematuria should think first, especially if the patient is more than 50 years of age. TCC, which is tran transitional cell cancer, and most of the time in the bladder. So we had the UTIs, we had two RCCs, so our renal cell carcinoma. It confirms that renal cell carcinoma uh, nowadays is rarely responsible for uh, macroscopic hematuria, or at least we diagnose people uh, now before they develop hematuria. Hematuria which is associated with RCC means that the RCC, which generally speaking is a tumor which starts quite far away from the urinary tract, from, from uh, uh, the collecting system, uh, you, the tumor has to get big and invade through the collecting system to be uh, responsible for macroscopic hematuria. And this is now how we diagnose these tumors now. The renal, the renal cell carcinoma are most of the time now diagnosed incidentally because the patient had non-specific abdominal um, discomfort whatsoever, had an ultrasound, and instantly the ultrasound picked up a renal tumor. So this is how we diagnose them uh, nowadays. 
So what about the microscopic hematuria uh, which we uh, had seen to, uh, in this clinic? So 65% were explained, still a very good number. Uh, and we still have the kidney stone, but again, we, we are still able, even if the, if the hematuria is not visible, to diagnose TCC. Okay, so this is really something, yeah, again, which should be a reflex like hematria TCC. Now I've cut out a few minutes of the talk here where bizarrely he presents a case where the uh, gross hematuria actually turned out to be due to nothing. I think he just wanted to show off the fancy pictures from his uretoscope. I had, so this is this is a slide I had uh, done three or four years ago now, and I had a taken home message when I presented this. Um, this is that regardless of immaterial type, TCC accounts for ten percent. So it may look uh, low to you, but but if you miss a TCC, the C TCC will not miss you. Or in this case, will not miss the patient at all. Um, delayed diagnosis because the patient has only got one episode of macroscopic hematria can have dramatic consequences. And this is an article uh, which has been published in Cancer, I think, um, in 2008, or something like that. And so this team showed that mortality increases when the radical cystectomy is delayed more than 12 weeks, which is three months. So if, if the patient has got a muscle invasive bladder TCC and you delay the operation, which is the cystectomy, for three months, the outcome is worse. Thank you. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a kiwi in the frog, yeah. Mm. Okay. Any questions? So with the uh, percentage that don't have any explained reason for the hematuria? Yeah. You can imagine anything. I mean, if you don't see a stone, you cannot make it up. Okay? If you don't have any tumor, you cannot make it up. So after that, you've got, you know, benign reasons of, of bleeding. You know, sometimes you've got, you know, small vessels around the blood neck, which can pop. Uh, you can have missed a UTI, which has already subsided. You can imagine many, many things, okay? Um, uh, when it comes to macroscopic hematuria, and so you don't have a stone, you don't have tumors, you don't have... Um, BPH, you have not seen anything on cystoscopy, on CT scan. The next step, you know, can be doing this examination, which I have shown you. But the absence of, of, on, of any tumor on a CT IVP, I think this is a little bit of overkill. So you just have to wait for another episode? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And do it again. <laughs> No, not 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 too much now, not too much. So <laughs> I spoke to you yesterday about suprapubic catheters. In the context of immaturia, um, so first, if 
you have not ruled out TCC, suprapubic is completely contraindicated. Because if you put a suprapubic in the presence of TCC, well, bad call because uh, the tumor cells will seed around the suprapubic tract. I've seen that. Okay? It's, not, it's not a legend, it's reality. And second, even if you don't have TCC and you've got gross, gross hematuria, well, I don't think that putting a suprapubic is the best way of draining the bladder. So, in fact, you know, when the patient is in, retention, in clot retention and you, for various reasons, um, the catheterization has not been possible, you have to call us. Yeah. Flexible. Um, you call a gentle ambulance, it's called St. John. And the patient has to clench his teeth, <laughs> and he goes to Palmerston North. <laughs> and the, the patient doesn't have hematuria. So yes, um, good question. So this is what I told yesterday to Heidi. Uh, Supraviolet uh, catheter, uh, especially in males, is a very good way of drainage. I like it very much. Uh, Especially when there is uh, an infection, so prostatitis. So um, uh, when the patient is in retention because of prostatitis, a, a physical urethral catheter is not a very good way of draining because you go through something which is already infected and putting uh, a urethral physical catheter uh, at the same time of a prostatitis uh, increases the risk of forming prostatic abscesses. So definitely a suprapubic catheter is really the choice when the patient has got febrile retention. And, uh, wow, that's pretty much it. Big ones are better. So I like the big ones. So and you would you would put a 14 fully catheter or 16 fully catheter through the, through the thing. Yeah. Okay, great little talk, and I'll just try and sum it up. The flowchart is on the blog. The key points, as I said, is to obviously diagnose, treat, rule out um, UTIs, renal colic, menstruation. Don't dismiss hematuria as just being centric to anticoagulants. The workup's just the same whether the patient's on warfarin or not. If the patient has a microscopic hematuria or symptomatic microscopic hematuria, and that's just one plus red blood cell or one plus HB on the dipstick, then if they've got Coca-Cola coloured urine, check the blood pressure, um, refer to peds or nephrology, um, and check out there's a link to a case on the blog of uh, one of my son's friends who had status epilepticus from hypertensive encephalopathy from acute glomerulonephritis. So that's a fairly important diagnosis to know about. Refer patients in nephrology if we've got a falling GFR, they've got proteinuria, or they've got hypertension and they're less than 40 years old. Otherwise, refer to urology unless the patient has just symptomatic microscopic hematuria and they're less than 40 years old with normal renal function, those ones can just be followed up by the GP. Anyone with hematuria with clots needs to be referred to urology. Um, for those that are left, refer them to the GP. So these are the asymptomatic microscopic hematurias 
or the symptomatic microscopic hematuria and normal re renal function in someone less than 40 years old. Now some classic Kiwi music, Anchor Me. Um, the older Kiwis will understand the link between the song and the French speaker. Anchor me. 